stand. We'll start off with a word of prayer. Brother Bob, would you help us with prayer today? Our Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We thank you so much for being part of the family that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stands for things that he did for us. Thank you for being able to be here tonight and hear the word of God preached and lift our hearts up. We rejoice in the Lord. Help us to be a testimony to you in everything we say and do. Wherever we go, that we might be pleasing in your sight. Father, our country needs revival. Lord, come quickly. Revive us. I bless this time together. We'll thank you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Let's all take the hymnals. Turn to hymn number 423. Hymn number 423. Joy to the world.
Well, amen. Did everybody survive Christmas? You must have because you're here, right? Well, it's good to be together tonight and to be able to uh, worship the Lord. We have the Talberts with us, headed back to Evansville, Indiana. Known them forevermore. Uh, if you need any scoop on them, just check with me. Got a lot of it. 
but uh, they've been down visiting family, headed back. Uh, his mom and dad actually goes to uh, Brother David's church, and so they were in uh, Brother Reed's church uh, on Sunday, and then he's got a brother that pastors up in McPherson, Kansas, and uh, it's always good to have um, so <clears throat> I was talking to Jared, scheduling him to preach for last Wednesday, and Richard happened to be there, and he goes, well, I'd like to preach. And so I said, okay, the next Wednesday night. So see, I've, I've done this initially for myself, so I didn't have to worry about last Wednesday, I didn't have to worry about tonight. I asked Brother Richard to come and preach for us and uh, be praying for him, got uh all the birth certificates that are needed. Now he's in the Paso or the Passover, <laughs> the passport uh, stage, and uh, so getting the passports all together. And uh, hopefully we can get him out of here January, February, something like that, and get him headed over. I know the Trot seniors are anxiously awaiting uh, their arrival, and uh, so please be praying for them as they tie up all the loose and get ready to go. Love you, bud. Man, well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach, even if I do have to beg for it. No, I am grateful and appreciative of Pastor letting me preach again. I've been wanting to preach this one for a month or so now, so, and I think at least half of it's been preached already, but we're going to go over it again because it's all good, but you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, we'll start off there, we'll be jumping all over the place this evening, but uh, John chapter 1, and we'll read the first four verses there to start off with. John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We'll read verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Go in prayer, Lord. I do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the truths we'll see in it tonight. Prepare our hearts and minds that we be receptive and seeking to hear from you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you care for titles, and I know at least the sound room does, uh, I have two. You can take your pick. Uh, we got... Four concise C's concerning Christ, or the creation, the cradle, the cross, and the commission. We're going to just kind of jump right into it, and the first thing we see then is the creation. And as we read John 1, that's kind of where John starts his gospel off with, is eternity past. The Word, who was God, who's with God and was God, and, and spoke of the, the creation there with uh, all things, verse 3, were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So we have the creation. Creation. And, and as we look at it, and we know that uh, both those verses, John 1, or sorry, Genesis 1 1 and John 1 3, we have a, a very brief kind of overall telling of creation. One, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty much everything right there. But then in John 1, 3, he says, Without him was not anything made that was made. Nothing exists outside of his creation. 
So we have the, the creation there, and we get a little bit of a picture of the creator there as we read, and we're not diving deep into it because I said there's four concises. We're going to have to be short on all of these if I'm going to hit everything that I'd like to hit tonight. But as we look at the little bit of the picture there, the creator in, in, verse, or sorry, in John 1 there, we see him in eternity past. We see him that before anything was created, he was. He is outside of creation itself, that the rules of it do not apply to him. He was before and above all things. But in him is life, is the light of men. The word the Bible says was equal with the Father. And again, we heard some of this just last Wednesday, but he was equal with the Father from all eternity. The Bible says there that not only was he with God, but he was God. It wasn't just that he, it was the first thing created and so he was with God. But no, he was God. He wasn't created by God. He is God. The word was with God and the word was God. He was equal with the Father from all of eternity. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6. We let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God or that is being God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't robbery. He didn't think it robbery because it wasn't robbery. He had every right to be thought of as equal with God because he was God. And then kind of continuing on, again, just a very small picture of the Creator there, but then we see the, the created going back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we have the, the first of created mankind, as Adam and Eve there, male and female created he them. We have the, the created, the creature there. We have a command given in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 15 through 17, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, so a work to be done there. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of the tree of the garden, of every, sorry, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But, verse 17, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in that day that thou, in that day that thou eatest of it, or thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We have the command given there, pretty plain command given. There's all this bounty here, partake. Take care of it, enjoy it, work it. Whatever you see, yours, except for this. This one thing, I command you. This, he only gave one command, other than to, to dress and keep, he gave him a task there. But then there was one command of not. Don't eat of this tree. Stay away from this one, basically. Don't eat of it, for when you do that, in that day thou shalt surely die. And then the following chapter in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6, where we briefly, we see the fall of the creature. The fall of the created. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. 
But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. God had told Adam then in the day that he ate of this that he would surely die. And, and the serpent again, he's, you know, he's lying. That's not what's really going to happen. He knows, though, that when you do this, you'll become as gods. You'll, you'll know good and evil. And truthfully, I, mankind in this did become God unto themselves. Right? As many, that's basically what pride is in our lives. And, and uh and pride is a root of pretty much all sin. It's me before God. And, and that pride sets yourself up as God in your life. It says, I want this so I can have this. And that's basically what takes place here. And, and so they, they did become gods unto themselves. But not God as, as the God, the creator. But they tried to set themselves up. They gave themselves power that only God should have had. Gave themselves knowledge only God should have had. And so they, they disobey him. We see the fall of man then. We see uh, jumping all around. We, we see uh, the whole picture of it. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we see that not only did Adam and Eve fall in their sin, but that that curse was passed on to everyone. And wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. The curse of sin is passed on to every one of us, but then also back in Genesis 3 and verse 15, we have the promised redemption. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And again, we heard all throughout this whole month, every Sunday, on that prophecy and, and different prophecies in the Old Testament and their fulfillment in the New and so I don't need to belabor this as we've already seen it uh, throughout this month. But we, we see the promise given there in Genesis 3. And then uh, we're jumping back and we uh, back to John chapter 1 and uh, verse 14. We kind of going back now from first the creation, then we go to the cradle. Big time jump here, but we see then the incarnate word as the word was made flesh and John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, in Philippians chapter 2, and verses 7 and 8, we see that this incarnate Word, Jesus Christ Himself, emptied Himself of all that was rightfully His. He humbled Himself. He made Himself, first off, the Bible says, of no reputation. He had and deserved the reputation of God, the Creator. That is what the, the Word is. It was, as things were spoken into existence, Jesus is given credit for creation itself. As the Creator empties Himself, He made Himself, He gave up His reputation, all that He deserved, all that was rightfully His, He gave it up, made Himself of no reputation. 
pretty much no one knew who he was. Other than the few that were told, specifically. The shepherds knew, Mary and Joseph knew, and obviously the angels knew. And other than that, very few knew who Jesus was. He had no reputation. He was a baby born in a manger. The Bible says that not only did he make himself of no reputation, but he took upon himself the form of a servant. And there are many ways we could look at that. And mankind is, was made to be a servant to God. We were made to serve him. So he, he took upon himself the, the form of mankind. But not only did he take, off, or take upon himself our form, but he truly became the servant that we are supposed to be. He was made in the likeness of man. And then being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He lowered himself, he, uh, as we already saw, made himself no reputation. He humbled himself. He, he took himself to the lowest of the low. He didn't, just, he didn't say, you know what, I, I'm going to earth, I'm going to give myself. I should at least get a little bit of praise and recognition while I'm there. I'll be a prince. That's not what he did. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He put himself in the lowliest of forms, made himself unknown to mankind. And not only did he put himself in our form, then he made himself in, including that form, and he had power over it. He could have done whatever he wanted with that form. But he made that form, who was not sentenced unto death because of sin, because he had not sinned. But he made himself still obedient unto death, and not only death, but even the death of the cross. The incarnate word was Emmanuel, or God with us, as there many have read even several times throughout the, this month, Matthew 1, verses 21 through 23. And it shall be, uh, sorry, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that I might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And we don't have time to do it, but, and we've already kind of seen most, if not all of it, but the accounts given in Luke 1 and verse 26 through 35, and Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 through 20, the account of that word becoming incarnate, the word becoming flesh, and, and the, the birth of the Messiah, and we see the, the, the picture of the cradle given there. God, the, the Son, left the glories of heaven to be born of a virgin, humbling himself. And the Bible says, we are, as we already saw this, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness, or equal, the, the same as man. Being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death the cross from the foundation of the world the cross was planned being found or being outside of of time and omniscient god knows the future equally as well as he knows the past that was true before creation took place he knew from the moment that he started the process the moment the, the first words and the first matter was spoken into existence that the cross would be there.
We heard it the other day, and the answer was given, but often contemplating all of this, and especially if we look at it briefly, but the torment that Christ went through on the cross, leading up to the cross, the cross itself, all, all of that, why would God sentence himself to that, or, or God the Father sentence his son to that? As we look at a little bit of God's view, we can't truly understand it, but a little bit there is we see that he knows all, and knowing the future as well as the past, knowing he can see the whole lineup from eternity past to eternity future, he knows it all. And knowing it all already, though before he had spoken the first things into existence, he already loved us. To him, it was as if we, we were already there. We'd already been created. He already loved us. And so, because of his great love for us, the Word created mankind and set himself on the pathway to the cross. We didn't see the cross in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verses 29 through 30. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. Verse 30, but God raised him. We see the, the, the cross spoken of there and from, the, from the cross, verse 29, as they had fulfilled all that was written of him. Again, there is prophecy given, and we can look at that back in Isaiah chapter 53 and uh, I'll read verses 3 through 8, but really the whole chapter is a, picture, is a foretelling a prophecy of Christ's coming and his death. But Isaiah 53 and verse 3 and through 8, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet... We did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. All of this and much more can be found prophesied of the, the Christ, of the Messiah. All, all of it was fulfilled with his crucifixion. All of it was fulfilled with the cross. The Roman soldiers mocked Jesus, we see in Matthew 27 and John 19. As the soldiers mocked Jesus as king. They put a, a scarlet robe upon him and they gave him a crown of thorns and they beat it down onto his brow and they, they gave him a reed for a scepter and they knelt down before him in mockery and they said hail 
or they hailed him as the king of the Jews. They did not do it in recognition of who he truly was, but mocking him, basically saying, you're nothing. We can do whatever we want to. They mocked him. They beat him. The Bible says that they beat him repeatedly on the head with the, with the reed that they had given him to be a symbol of his power. As if they had the power to take it away from him and to beat him with it. They beat him with his scepter. They, they spit on him. And then they, when they finally tired of mocking him, they led him away to be crucified. You see the inscription on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The Bible says it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And to say that the reason for that would be so that everyone passing would know what he was guilty of. There's no actual condemnation in what his inscription was. While the others may be thief or murderer, what all else they may be, they may have been guilty of, but... Jesus was simply Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It's true. No actual condemnation there, but everyone could see that that's what he was being killed for. Jesus was mocked in Matthew 27, verses 39-43 by the multitude and by the Sanhedrin and even by the soldiers again. Then we see the, the final cries of Christ and with the cry of desolation in Matthew 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemus abachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can't imagine God the Son being separated from God the Father. They are one. And yet, for this time, they split. Because God can't be a part of sin. And in order for our iniquity to be laid upon the Son, the Father had to turn His back. And then we see the cry of victory in John 19 and verse 30. As Jesus said, it is finished. The declaration there that there's nothing left to be done. I have done all that is needed, all that was required, all that was prophesied of. It is fulfilled. I have taken upon them my, their iniquity. I have taken upon myself their iniquity. It is finished. It is done. It's not, a, it's not it, it's finished. I give up. You win. But it's finished. It's over. I have done it. We see the cry of resignation in Luke 23 and verse 46. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then the death of Christ in Matthew 27 and verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Again, a brief picture of the cross. And there could, there could probably be a whole series of sermons preached on just the cross. The following the cross, we see the tomb, and we read in Acts 13, in the second part of verse 29, and they laid him in a sepulcher. The gospel message continues on from the cross. It wasn't just that Christ came and that he was born in a manger. It wasn't just that he lived a perfect life. 
And it wasn't just that He died for us. That's not the end of the story. As they, they take His body, they lay Him in the tomb. The gospel message continues on from the cross. Then as and He was buried and He rose again the third day, according to Scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 4. We see the, the sepulcher itself in John chapter 19 and verse 38 and following. After, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, sorry, he came therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths and with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. And there laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So we see he was taken down from the cross. He was laid in this new tomb. And, and then we see, as again, as we've already read uh, a couple times now, but in Acts chapter uh, 13 and verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. So again, it doesn't end with a body being laid in a tomb. That's where most people's story ends, especially here on earth. You're laid in your final... Your, they, term at your final resting place, right? And for believers, we know that it's not actually our final resting place, but that's where your story, your life on earth ends. But that's not the end of the story for our Messiah, for, for Christ, for, for Jesus. As the Bible says, but God raised him from the dead. There is victory over the grave. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 3 through 6. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. We know now all of those 500 are fallen asleep. The greater part don't yet remain living here among us. But there is great amount of testimony that this wasn't just a hoax created by maybe 12 faithful followers. It wasn't just a few people that said, oh yeah, no, I, I, I saw him. But the great many people above 500 saw him at one time. I don't think you can get 500 people to agree on seeing something that they didn't see. And to give you the same accurate details of it at once. You split them up, the story's going to change. A great many people saw that, that, that Christ not only died and was buried, but that He rose again. That He had power over death in the grave. And then lastly tonight we see the commission. He didn't just come so that he might live a life and go back to heaven and continue to be God. But he did it for a purpose. 
Matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. The gospel message continues on then from creation, past the cradle, shadowed by the cross of Calvary, and through the churches of Christ that, or through the church that Christ commissioned to take the gospel throughout the whole world. Just as the message of Christ did not end with his death on the cross, but continued by his glorious resurrection, so too does the telling of his resurrection not end with his ascension. It didn't end as the, the, those that were with him on the mountaintop and they saw him go up into heaven and return to his rightful place. And that they might just tell a few people and, you know, that's a nice story. We are commanded to go and to tell of it. You as one, or we as one of his churches are, have the responsibility to take upon ourselves this commission. It is through the true churches that the gospel is to go out. We are to teach all nations. We are to make converts. We are to cultivate disciples for the furtherance of the gospel. We see a charge given there in Matthew and again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. This charge to be witnesses goes out to every one of us, everyone who is called on Christ as Savior, you are to be a witness unto Him. You have the responsibility of reaching Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We do this by two ways, and sure, again, I know I've preached it many times here, and pastors preached it, it's nothing new, but every one of us is to be a part of this in two ways. One, by physically being a witness wherever we are, personally being a witness wherever we are physically, is what I meant to say there. And wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself on this earth, that you would be a verbal witness for Him. That you would be faithful to tell others of the Creator of our universe the creator of the world, who loved the creation so much that He gave Himself for it. That we might be redeemed unto Him, and that He he did die, and that He rose again the third day, and that because of what He did for us, that we can be redeemed to Him, that we can live eternally with Him. We're not to keep it to ourselves, but to, to tell it to everyone that we would have a chance, opportunity to talk with. We are to be a verbal witness unto him. But then, as he says, both, we know that both means that at the same time that every one of us is to have, uh, right now in this moment, every one of us has an obligation to reach not only those around us physically, but all around the world. And Paul says, I am debtor. The same is true of every one of us. You've been made a partner in the grace of God, you have been made a debtor to the lost. We're to be a part in sending others then to go 
wherever we are not, that they might physically and verbally be the witness of Christ in those places. As we close, just a few questions, but first, have you called on Christ as Savior? If not, there's no better time than now to call on Him. Profess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Realize, one, who He is. He's not, Jesus was not just a man who lived a pretty good life and then died because people hated Him. The Bible said, Jesus said of Himself that no man took His life, but He gave it freely. And He gave it freely for us. He gave it freely for you. If you've not yet called on Christ as Savior, trust in Him this evening. As we finish off this year and we begin to look into the new year, ask the question, what will you do for the cause of Christ? We can look back and see maybe what we've done this past year, how many people we witnessed to, and maybe how much we gave to missions for others to, to go and to faithfully serve the Lord on a foreign field. What will you do this next year? What are you going to do that the gospel might reach further into the lost hearts of men? The Bible says that we love Him because He first left, loved us. We already said he, he left the glories of heaven for you. He died on the cross for you. And He prepared a place in heaven for you. What will you do for Him? Again, if you've not yet called on Christ as Savior, trust Him. And if you have, and He has commissioned you to go, to tell others about Him. The lost are in need of the Savior. He created them. He loves them. He gave Himself for them. And He has called you to go and to take the gospel to them. So what will you do? Let's go to Him in prayer. Lord, I do thank You again for Your goodness. We thank You for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for our sins and for the great show of Your love towards us. Lord, I pray as we finish off this year that we would look back and Lord, hopefully we have been a faithful witness for you in 2023. But as 2024 rolls around the corner, Lord, help us to, de help us to determine to be that faithful witness. To be faithful to preach Christ and Him crucified. To be faithful to not let any opportunity slip by us, but to faithfully tell the lost that not only is there a God who created them and loved them, but he has made a way for them to dwell eternally with Him. Help us to love them as You love them, that we might be faithful in this task You've given us. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name.